According to the WHO, 50% of the entire world lacks access to essential medical services. We're seeing about 8.6 million people die annually from preventable and treatable conditions. This is because millions of these people receive absolutely no health care at all. The providers they often need to see aren't available or just not accessible. What we often see are medical mission trips that happen sporadically to treat patients in low-resourced communities around the world. And though these providers have good intentions, this often ends up becoming unsustainable and expensive when fees for flights, lodging, and meals rack up. What if there was a way to completely cut out the step of physically traveling to a country in need by inserting a technology that will connect providers across the world to treat these patients. All you need is some Wi-Fi and a reliable power source. Introducing World Telehealth Initiative, the leader in philanthropic virtual care, a nonprofit that provides sustainable medical expertise to vulnerable communities worldwide. WTI partners with hospitals, and clinics in low-resource regions offering to support and mentor healthcare providers in these regions. I'm so excited because today I get to feature Sharon Allen, CEO of World Telehealth Initiative, and we're going to talk about her passion in starting this life-saving organization, why it's so needed in low-resource settings We're going to talk about the innovative technology that connects providers from all around the world and its impact so far. Before we dive in, here's a little bit about Sharon. Sharon Allen is the co-founder and the chief executive officer of World Telehealth Initiative, or WTI. As a recognized leader in international philanthropic telehealth, Sharon is often invited to speak at notable conferences, including the American Telehealth Association, the White House Telehealth Innovation Summit, Nigeria's Healthcare Today keynote, MENA Telehealth Conference, Telehealth Innovators Forum, AAFP Global Health Summit, and more. She's traveled extensively to understand the needs of low-resourced healthcare clinics and hospitals worldwide. Under her leadership, WTI has developed an innovative model that leverages remote philanthropic physicians to provide sustainable medical expertise via telehealth. Since its founding in 2017, WTI has established remote specialist care and training to on-site providers in many underserved communities throughout the world. Sharon has been selected to serve on the World Health Organization Digital Health Board of Advisors, and roster of experts. She's currently working with the WHO on their telehealth roadmap for the underserved. My name is Hethel Bauman, and this is the Global Health Pursuit. Sharon, I'm just so excited to have you on the podcast. It's just so, it's just always so refreshing to speak to you. I know you came on the podcast the first time, the first go around, and we're going to talk about that and so much more on this episode. So thank you for coming on. I always appreciate your time. 
It's my pleasure. I love speaking with you and I love what you're doing. So happy to be here. Thank you so much. Sharon, I think first things first, I really want to discuss your background. Just briefly, can you tell us your story? Sure. So as many people, I've had a very circuitous route to <laughs> I love get that word. Where, where I am today. Part of my background was right out of college. I actually worked for the airlines and I did that specifically to enable my travel around the world. So I did that for a short amount of time. I went to every corner I could. I think I was up to 36 countries. Wow. Um, and, and then I, I decided I should probably, you know, get a serious career. And so I found myself in the business world. And and through that process, as often happens, I took the first job that seemed suitable, but then I grew in that career and grew and grew. And then the last decade of that, I was the CEO for a multi-branch distributor company in Southern California. And I was always learning. I, I enjoyed the people I worked with. I loved nurturing this demographic of, of people that were in that industry. But it wasn't necessarily what was, you know, what my heart wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So about seven years ago, I took the leap and I left that career And I wanted to take six months and just explore my options. I had never really done that before. And so... You um, took a gap year. (laughs) Gap gap six months. (laughs) I intended to take a gap six months. It turned out to be a gap two months. So (laughs) So it was a gap nonetheless. Yeah. The youngest of my four children is adopted. So I was looking into nonprofit adoption Mm -hmm. opportunities. And that route led me, when I was talking about nonprofits, to a meeting with Dr. Yulin Wong, who created Intech. Health, which is the largest provider of telehealth in the developed world. Mm-hmm. And so in that meeting, it was it changed my life. He was saying we have this amazing technology. He could see what it's doing in you know high-income countries, right. but always wondered, could we provide healthcare access for half of the world that doesn't otherwise have it? On a nonprofit basis, clearly many people can't afford this high-end technology. So they, the technology component was there. And then the question was, what if we utilize philanthropic providers that, that want to do this type of work? So it seemingly seemed like the answer was there sitting on a shelf and somebody had to implement it. I, I wouldn't have. So serendipitous. <laughs> like, can you imagine, like, have just having a conversation and then, like, the light bulb go off? Like, whoa, we could do this. That's exactly right. It, it was like, and and he, you know, really founded the idea. He was the visionary behind it, but he did not have the bandwidth to do that. He <laughs> hadn't recently left his career and had time on his hands, but, <laughs> but somebody in the room did. So with that, you know, we looked into how can we do this? How can we partner with an existing organization that may be doing it to a a lesser degree? But, you know, I found out nobody was was doing what we proposed Mm -hmm. to do. And and therefore, we launched it. And 
you know, although my road, you know, as I say, was circuitous, those experiences really helped in the development of World Telehealth Initiative, my travel, my understanding of cultures, my, you know, those, those situations played in, you know, knowing people from every corner of the world. And then certainly my business background in starting, you know, a, a new nonprofit, it, it's just like any startup that mm-hmm. an entrepreneur would do. So, so that came into play as well. And now seven or so years later, you know, we're, we're deep into the the global healthcare solution. So that's how it all happened. Oh my gosh. I feel like very few people actually, like, I feel like we have ideas on a daily basis, but very few people actually go after those ideas. You're like one of those people. And like, did you even have a background in health, like healthcare at all? I did not, nor really technology, but because I was so hungry for knowledge. I, I wanted something new. Healthcare certainly always, you know, spoke to me. I have many, you know, friends that are in, in the field. And so it wasn't so foreign to me, but that said, I had deep learning to do and, and was just a sponge. And I devoted my every waking hour to it. And, and because it was new, Nobody really had the answers for how to right. go forth. So somebody had to figure it out. So, you know, why not me? Now it's, it's been fascinating just meeting all the people that are in this, you know, global healthcare pursuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> Perfect so words. Yes. <laughs> so it's a telehealth technology. Now, can you talk about the technology that? you know, WTI uses and how it's different than the ones that we have in the States or in just in high income countries. Absolutely. So we keep in mind that, that so InTouch merged with Teladoc and, and this technology that we use is really the result of $200 million worth of Tech, technology um, development mm-hmm. done by Intouch and now Teladoc, and it continues to grow and advance. And we are the recipients of that technology. So many efforts are done, you know, especially since COVID with cell phones and, um, you know, video conferencing. But the technology that we provide to our partners is purpose built. It's medical grade technology. It's much, much more than video conferencing. It's, it has dual cameras, one of which can zoom, you know, 26 times. So your whole screen can be filled with, you know, an eyeball that you're looking at. It has little features like directional audio. So for example, in our hospital in Bangladesh, they have a metal corrugated roof. And in monsoon season, it gets very loud in that Mm -hmm. clinic. But with directional audio, wherever, you know, the the supporting provider beams, you know, wherever they point to, it it picks up that sound and muffles the surrounding sound. So all Mm -hmm. these little features are built in. One of the most powerful components is that it can be diagnostic enabled. We can plug in peripherals. 
So like in our maternal health care programs, we use ultrasounds. So mm-hmm. the remote provider is seeing the live ultrasound feed or, you know, we plug in stethoscopes. So if a remote provider is trying to help assess maybe a heart murmur, they hear that that live stethoscope feed in their headphones, you know, maybe across the world. Mm-hmm. We've used intraoral cameras, you know, all these extra tools. And then all of that rides on a very low bandwidth requirement. So we can serve these very remote areas wow. that that didn't think they would have, you know, access to advanced technology like this. That's amazing. I, I think when you think of telehealth, you think of a provider speaking to a patient, right? So within WTI, it's a little bit different because it's almost like a provider speaking to another provider, right? For advice, for feedback, for, you know, next steps. You know, can you talk a little bit about the model of WTI and how how this is created? Absolutely. <laughs> and, and you've got that exactly right. Um, our mission is to provide sustainable expertise to very vulnerable communities throughout the world. And the goal is always to upskill the local providers and to build the capacity of the local healthcare system Mm -hmm. so they can take care of more and more of their own community and and thereby advancing, you know, healthcare outcomes. So, and and we do this through a network of the volunteer providers that, that are contributing that expertise. So you're right, the, the local provider always maintains full responsibility of patient care. They are, you know, the one engaged and our supporting providers are just sharing their knowledge and expertise. Mm-hmm. And how do you start creating those relationships with local providers in terms of, hey, this could be something that could be useful to you? So we have not done any hey we're here oh hey (laughs) hey hey. (laughs) we we started with three pilots that we launched just to you know test our proof of concept right and from there it's really been word of mouth those programs have expanded and then their affiliates have seen what's happening and they want a program and so we've kind of expanded like that of course you know when our market area is half of the world, there's more than we can get to immediately. We're working on it. <laughs> yeah. And it would be ideal, but just like, can you imagine you working on all of that? Yeah. But so, so they, we do have a, a number of, you know, partners in the queue and we actually oftentimes Choose those first where we know the impact can be the greatest. So mm-hmm. we meet a provider at a, at a hospital or clinic. You know, we do a thorough needs assessment. Now, after being in this area, you know, we have a lot of learnings as to what will make a successful uh, program. And so the first thing, you know, we do an initial technical review, make sure they do have, you know, at least adequate um, internet and, and then really go through this, this site assessment. And then once that happens, we work closely with the site to design the program. Again, it's all based around their needs and mm-hmm. their capacity and 
and how they envision the program. So they're they're the primary driver to to how we engage and and we come alongside them. And then once we launch it, we continue growing and training more providers both on site that are interested and then connecting more supporting providers, maybe increasing their use cases or increasing their medical specialties. And then finally, you know, all of our programs, we do monitoring and evaluation so we can mm. continue to improve and, and know what our deep successes are and how we replicate those and take our learnings and, and improve based on that as well. So there's you know, a, a process for sure for each program. And now we're, we have 40 programs soon. We have six more launching very soon. So Yes, we continue to grow. It's like exponential. I feel like the last time I spoke to you, you were just starting out almost. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a rather fast trajectory. And, and you know, we, we want to be cautious and make sure that, you know, we are um, doing it in a very thoughtful way. And, and all of our partners prior and existing and, and new are, are served according to our standards. Yeah, I think that's, that's just so cool. I know it's so funny. I was like, do you just go to a clinic and say, Hey, uh, <laughs> we're here. Do you guys have like an application process in terms of like for people who are interested in the service? We do. Many times we're contacted through our website of somebody that's looking for philanthropic oh, wow. global <clears throat> telehealth and, and they find us. And so, and we always entertain those conversations and, and, more often than not, they do get in the queue of programs that, that we aim to serve. So absolutely, oftentimes we, you know, health systems in the U.S., they may have affiliations with sister sites abroad that are low resourced. And, mm -hmm. and they may have a number of providers that are, are trying to do work there or support that organization. And they say, is there any way, you know, we go there for two weeks a year, is there any way we can make these relationships sustainable? Mm -hmm. Yes, there is. And, and so, so some of our programs have been nominated in, in that fashion. So we definitely explore any opportunity that comes our way. And what's the criteria for a clinic to partner with you guys? Like, I know it's Wi-Fi, you know, strong Wi-Fi, but is there anything else? We do. There is such a thing as too low resourced. For example, mm. one of our very early partners in Haiti, um, we, we request that the device is plugged in when it's not in use. Right. Um, so we could do evergreen upgrades. And so it's always ready to use, you know, should there be an emergent need. And they would say, we're, we're plug, we do plug it in. We do plug it in. And, and I was, it wasn't until I went there that they would plug it in and it would just fall out of the socket. And oh, so, no. you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, we should be more specific. Plug it into an outlet that can, you know, hold, hold, hold the, the plug. plug. Yeah. yeah. And so not only that, but then certainly with the violence that's going on there, then their providers were being kidnapped when they tried oh. to make their way to work. And so they had to shut down that facility, which is tragic. Oh, wow. And so there, there is such a thing as, you know, too low resource. And, and in that situation, you know, we aren't able to help them, of course, if, if they can't have their providers um, on site. 
in that situation, we were able to transfer the device to a location that was able to remain open. But so, you know, we look at, there's a lot of, you know, geopolitical considerations, safety mm-hmm. considerations. Mm-hmm. In Nigeria, we had to have the device from the the airport at 2 a.m. at night transferred by armed military personnel because there were a lot of thieves and bandits on the road and they were afraid it wouldn't get there. So lots of considerations that we wouldn't typically think of here that, you know, but we work through those hurdles in order to get the equipment where it's needed and build those relationships. And then once it's done, you know, via technology, it's actually safer than, than it would be by transporting patients or or physicians uh, across these fragile areas. And I think that's really interesting that you say that because I think with many nonprofits who work in the healthcare fields, they'll bring physicians from the US and then they'll do their work for like two, three weeks. And then it's like almost a, more of a sustainable option where you're able to bring their expertise without actually having to bring them there and, you know, pay for lodging and the flights and all of that stuff. So that makes a lot of sense. Yes. It's, it's, it's really a small number of healthcare providers that can engage in that way. They have to take time off the work. Right. It's, it's usually at their expense. They may have to get vaccinations and then how sustainable is that care and does it enhance the local healthcare system, or or does it potentially disrupt the work right. of the local healthcare system? So so all those considerations, you know, come into play. Yeah, I mean the what you said about disrupting the healthcare system—it's almost like you're taking over, you know, exactly. in that sense. And yeah. you don't want to—you want to be able to give them the opportunity to empower themselves to serve the people, you know, their own people. So. I just spot on. That's right. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. So you said 40 programs, six on the way. Where are you working in what, in what capacities, like what areas of health have you worked in? So as far as use cases, it really runs the gamut. Like I said, we have at least 50 different medical specialties that are represented. Okay. And again, because it's at the request of, of our in-country partners, you know, it runs the gamut. And so now we're onboarding physicians that are interested in this work, not always knowing if we will have an immediate opportunity for them. But when we get that request from our partners, we hope to fulfill it. For example, um, we're doing quite a bit of work in Ukraine for the last year, and they needed a lung transplant surgeon. And I, I have a pretty good working knowledge of most of our providers. And I, I, you know, I know we have many surgeons and, and so, you know, looking through our database, lo and behold, yes, we have a lung transplant surgeon. And so we connected them. And wow. They were, yes. It's, That's so you know, specific too. It, it's very specific. And we do have, you know, obstetric fistula surgeons or, you know, these very sub sub specialties that we can connect I'm told that rheumatologists are, are a rare breed these days, and, and we do get a lot of requests for rheumatologists. But 
lo and behold, you know, we are able to satisfy that need. So some of those providers that are more rare specialties maybe don't engage in opportunities as much as, you know, an OBGYN or, you know, an internal medicine specialist, Mm -hmm. but, but more likely than not, we will have a request from one of our programs at some time that they can really, really utilize that expertise that certainly would not be available to them otherwise. Yeah, amazing. So you mentioned that in the past year, lots of lots of work in Ukraine. You know, when things, I want to mind my language, like literally like hit the fan, you know, <laughs> how did... Like, what was the first thing that WHI did, you know, to mobilize? Because that's, it's like, it's almost like a disaster relief scenario. Absolutely. And I mean, our DNA is to help people. And we know that our technology can serve in that way and be that bridge for doctors that want to help. I mean, there's so many people wanted to help Ukraine, but didn't really have the tools or, or didn't know how to go about it. So it was in February, very early on, we were contacted by the Ministry of Health in Ukraine and said, you know, can you help? Yeah. So a- absolutely. We immediately shipped eight devices. Those were deployed and brought online and then they requested 10 more. We also sent them Surface Pros that were donated by Microsoft. And mm. those were great because they were able to go closer to the front lines. You know, it wasn't a, a full-size robot. Right. So we have been working closely with them ever since we do a lot of neurology consults it early on they were requesting combat trauma training they they wow. have fabulous doctors and surgeons over there but certainly what types of things they were seeing were new to them and so our um team included ex special forces surgeons you know that that helped wow. you know set up the DOD protocols for the United States. And Mm -hmm. so now they wanted desperately to help their colleagues in Ukraine. So they, and they actually did go on site. Well, they actually met in Poland, Mm -hmm. um, did some trainings, but now through this technology, they can continue to support them. So there's been a lot of activity there and that Ukraine actually now is hoping to establish, you know, a national telehealth system. They're, they're, the way they have their health system, it's a little bit siloed where they have a neurology hospital over here, an oncology oh. hospital over here, orthopedics. So not only are we providing international expertise, but we are linking all of those physicians to each other in country. So when they get a complex patient that has a head wound and you know internal organs, they can have all that expertise from international support or from in-country support, beam in and, and have their needs met at that one location. Hey there, I hope you're enjoying this episode. And if you are, would you do me a tiny favor? Show me some love by doing one or more of these three things. A, Click the support this podcast link in the description to donate a few dollars toward the production of this podcast. 
My dream is to do this full time and your support would mean the world. B, you can write me a review on Apple Podcasts and or rate me on Spotify to give me a boost in the algorithm. Or C, share this episode with someone who would love it just as much as you do. I truly and deeply appreciate you. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, you can only imagine like the amount of trauma support that they that they would have needed, you know, at that at that time. It's unbelievable. I mean, as everyone's remarked, you know, about their resolve and and so we were asked to hold a conference to come to Ukraine and, and hold a conference for their healthcare leadership. And mm-hmm. some of them were early adopters of this. It's, it's as it always is with any technology. Yeah. Um, there were the early adopters that saw the value of it, got on board, got their, you know, near colleagues on board and, and were using it to with great success. Some, as you could imagine, felt that the world was on their shoulders and right. the last thing they wanted to do was learn something new and bring it right. into their workflow. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted us to come and to share the success stories and, and listen to the challenges and see if we could grow and expand to help them. Now with their infrastructure so damaged between you know roads and trains and mm-hmm. power, we've been able to navigate that pretty successfully. So, and and this was our first rapid response effort. We usually take a while to build the relationships and do community education and all those things at the outset, but this was a rapid response effort in which we've learned so much. And so now we see ourselves positioned to do that even better, you know, in the future for crisis situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned success stories. Can you can you talk about some some of these stories that have like completely motivated you to keep going? There's so many. No, it's so hard to pick one. <laughs> so actually, in Ukraine, one of them. So of course, your heart goes out for for this entire country that is you know, feels like, I mean, they are making huge sacrifices, not, not only for themselves, but, but really they feel for the world. And so when you see these young men or, or older men, you know, or, or civilians that have been, you know, tragically hurt in the situation, of course, your heart goes out to them. There was one um, soldier that came to the level one, the bleeding was stopped. He was sent to a level two hospital, which is still experienced physicians. They do the best they can to stabilize them before Mm -hmm. sending them to level three tertiary sites. And so sometimes decisions are made there that that may not be optimal. And so he had a, a brain injury and they fixed it as best they could there at that facility. When he came to the level three hospital and, and they saw what the recovery would be, they they wanted to help him further for a more successful recovery, but they weren't, weren't sure how. So we were able to bring in neurosurgery expertise in this situation. It was out of Canada and he was suggesting a new procedure. They weren't familiar with it, but he was able to walk them, him, the, the on-site physicians through right. it. And now that patient is recovering beyond their, their 
best expectations. And so seeing this young man with his life, you know, really full ahead of him and, and right. to think that it could have been drastically affected you know, negatively, but now to see what this expertise enabled, I mean, that's all sorts of stories like that. That's that, just the goal, that, right? Yeah. The goal. Let's let's get the healthcare to where it's needed. And the expertise is there. We just have to get it to where it's needed. Wow. That's amazing. In terms of WTI and the future of WTI, what do you see? What do you see for the future? The future is huge. Um, so we did a lot of this matching between clinical needs to supporting physician expertise. We did a lot of that quite manually at the outset. Mm -hmm. And now we're well on our way to this robust matching platform that will enable the clinics to simply be able to enter their needs. It will go out to all of the appropriate physicians or healthcare mm -hmm. providers in our network, and they may get 10 responses that say, you know, I want to do it, I want to do it. And they may pick this one because they've worked with she or he before, or this one because they're Bangladeshi diaspora mm -hmm. or, or whatever they want to base it on. And so it will automate a lot of our processes, enable us to expand and, you know, scale appropriately and make a much larger impact in global healthcare. And, and so not it is a matching platform at its core, but the big vision is creating a global healthcare ecosystem that brings these physicians and healthcare providers together to satisfy specific medical needs but also it will enable them to collaborate with each other. And so, I mean, we've had a, just a, quickly another story that is, is an example of what WTI enables. And an infant was born in Bangladesh with edematous legs, and she was actually orphaned because the parents didn't think they would be able to care for her. And so that hospital requested a dermatology consultation and we set that up and a, a dermatologist said that it's not my field. I would suggest infectious disease. Hmm. We had an infectious disease expert. This one was actually out of South America and he thought it was this rare disease. He, and then he asked, can I talk to other infectious disease experts in your network? We really like to collaborate on these rare diseases. Pretty soon, I was privy to be on on this exchange, and they were all collaborating and sharing research and 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 oh weighing gosh. in on the diagnosis. This little baby was getting world class expertise, you know, and and due to her condition, and we had a pediatric surgeon that was saying a vascular node transplant would would solve this, but that may not be available in Bangladesh, right? But we could do compression wrapping and massage to increase her quality of life. So we were able to provide a certified lymphatic massage therapist to teach them how to do that at the hospital. That, that's just the power of collaboration. And the desire from the healthcare providers to do this is phenomenal. So it's just WTI is just bringing these pieces together. And so that's, that's what I see in the future. 
Oh my gosh. That reminds me of just like, you know, when you go to the hospital and the, or you go to a practice, right? And when like the, the whole term practice is like you have multiple physicians together and they're able to collaborate, but this is like, you're collaborating with doctors that are all around the world. That's just, whoa. <laughs> it, it's so awesome. And they love it. And and I will say we, we refer to our volunteers as supporting providers, but let me tell you, they are getting as much out of it as, right. you know, any on-site colleagues. And the learning really is bilateral, you know, due to that collaboration of, of all these different providers in different settings. So, so they're both always learning. Oh, wow. There's so much, there's so much here. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast, Sharon. I, like I said before, speaking with you is, oh, it just always energizes me. So thank you. Well, thank you, Heddle. It's it's my pleasure to be here. Always good to see you. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to learn more about today's topic and guest, head over to the show notes linked in the description of this episode. There, you can get access to resources, links, and ways you can get involved in the pursuit for global health. And if you love this episode, don't forget to write me a review on Apple Podcasts and rate the podcast on Spotify. It helps me get in front of more people just like you and continues to elevate the causes we are so passionate about. I'll see you in the next one.